my tank field and all that stuff here at the church house. Praise God. That's what I get when I come to the house of God. Get charged up. Praise God. I made up my mind a long time ago. I ain't going to pass no dead church. I'm going to try to stay alive enough where I can shout and nobody else does. Praise God. Amen. I give God the praise and the glory. We're going into this morning the book of Genesis. First book of your Bible in case you didn't know that. I surely would like to think that everybody knows the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. We're going to the third chapter and uh, we see something there. I pray that the Lord might have His will and His way in our hearts and in our lives this morning. And I pray God will give us something. I pray that God might touch us and give us something just like we need. God knows what we're facing tomorrow. God knows what we faced yesterday. He knows what we faced all our life. He's brought us safe thus far. And I'm well equipped to say this morning that he's well able to take care of the rest of the trail. Amen. And God knows what we're facing next week and next month and next year. If we ain't already in glory. I'm looking for the sound or listening for the shout and, and watching for the Lord to come in the air. And my, my mind's made up. I'm headed out of here. Praise God. One way or another, by the way of the grave or by the rapture, and I praise His name that I know that I got that blessed assurance and that blessed hope in my heart. Praise God. It's not something, not the figment of my imagination. Amen. I just feel something in the air that the Lord's coming soon, and I'm glad that I made preparation for it. In the Bible, in the book of Genesis, please, we want to go to the third chapter. This is a chapter that is used quite often. I've preached out of it many times. We're going to go to verse number 14 and start our reading together. I won't ask you to stand, but let's read together in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Amen, serpent. And the serpent is Satan. Amen. Three S's there. You could talk out of that. The serpent. Satan and sin. And it all showed up right here. Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed. I want you to notice that word cursed. Cursed. You might want to underline it, circle it or something. Uh, thou art cursed above uh, all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Evidently, the serpent was on his, had legs or something, and God put him on his belly, and the curse will never be lifted on the serpent. He'll have dust all the days of his habitation. Amen. Even in the latter times. That's right. Even when they can handle snakes. Somebody said, preacher, you handle snakes? No, sir. They scare me. I chop their heads off. I don't like them. And uh, I'm not a snake handler. I have said before I've pastored a few. Amen. But I try to stay ahead of the serpent. Now, we go back and read. He said, And above every beast of the field, upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Notice what he says. He's given the curse in verse 14. To the serpent. In verse 15 he said. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman. And between thy seed and her seed. 
it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now he goes to curse number two, which is found in verse 16. Upon the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And then the third curse is found in verse 17. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Here's that word again. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Verse 18, the fourth curse. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, Till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken. For dust thou art. And unto dust shalt thou return. Didn't say ashes now. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, give us wisdom and understanding. As we study the word of God. I pray that your will might be done in our heart. I pray God you'd help us to exalt the word of God. Help us to exalt the Lord Jesus. And we walk out of here. May we be thankful and grateful that we was able to go to the house of God one more time. Strengthen our hearts. Encourage our souls. And give us something to shout about for the days to come. And we'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. All right. Let's look at this this morning. The word curse is mentioned 92 times in the Bible. Remember that. The word curse. The word curses is mentioned eight times in the Bible. And you might be good to to go study those. Get your concordance and look them up. The word cursed, C-U-R-S-E-D, is mentioned 68 times in the Bible. And we'll study some of those this morning. And then the word uh, curseth, with a T-H on it, which is a continuation of it, is mentioned ten times in the Bible. And then when you get in the word a little deep, you find out the word accursed, A-C-C-U-R-S-E-D, is mentioned fifteen times. So it's an important Bible word. And I want to look at some of these things and mention some of it. We're going to look at some of the curses. I believe the nation, and not only the nation, but the people who have walked against God have a curse on them. The earth has a curse. Man has a curse. A woman has a curse. And the serpent himself has a curse. And it just keeps multiplying and going. And it don't get any better. But we got to stay above that curse line somewhere. We need to make sure. Now, well, I can't help what Adam and Eve done. You can't help what Eve done. I can't help what... Adam done. I can't help what uh, the serpent done in the garden. And I can't help what God did and all the curses. But I can try my best to stay where God wants me to be and live in His uh, perfect will. 
Amen. Now we don't have a perfect will to the same degree that God wanted us to have before the fall. Amen. Nor will it be what we're going to have. Now I've talked to people and I look at this stuff and people, it's amazing to me that people wouldn't even believe that we've got a curse on us. I've talked to a few. They don't believe there's anything like a curse. Like the fellow I just mentioned in the Sunday school this morning. I talked to a fellow and said, we're living in a, in a godless society. And he said, oh, no, no. He said, there are some people that are godless, but our society is not godless. I said, the society is godless. If our society wasn't godless, brother, we'd be full of God all over. Amen. They're not lifting God. They're not lifting righteousness. They're not lifting the Word of God. They're not lifting good things. They're lifting evil. And so therefore, it's a godless society. And he said, I do believe that God could turn this country around. I said, I do too. You're talking to the air when you think it. I don't believe that. Amen. I believe God can. I believe God would. I believe God will if we meet the criteria to get Him to do it. God just waiting on us to do our part. All He can do is speak with one little voice and it'll all turn around. But you know what I've seen? I've seen the Bible where He tells us in the Word of God, it's going to get worse and worse. Oh, evil men and seducers, He says they're going to wax worse and worse. And they're going to continue to deceive and be deceived. Our society is not going to get any better. I'm not waiting, waiting to get up one morning and find out that the world has had a, a, a worldwide religious uh, revival and people are praising God everywhere. Amen. That's not going to happen, not at least for a little while. I'm looking for a society that's that way. Well, I meet these people and, and uh, you can go out and, and, and here you can check it if you want to. Uh, you see people that goes to church all the time. Have you ever asked them how they believe? Have you ever said, uh, is your church uh, pre-millennial, post-millennial, or all-millennial? And if you ask that to average church folks today, they go, what are you talking about? You ought to know. I believe you know what this church is. If you don't, I'm going to remind you this morning. You said, that ain't important. Oh, it is too. Amen. It, it, you see, I worked with a fellow one time who was a post-millennialist. Uh, he is a post-millennialist. Now, post means that everything's going to get better uh, down the road. Oh, we're going to work. You know, the elites in Washington this morning, they believe, and that's what they're working on, is a utopia. I don't know whether you've heard this or not. That word utopia means a perfect society. I've never seen man ever make a utopia. Every time he's put his hands to it, he's messed it up. And so I'm not looking for man to straighten it. They're looking for a world government. They're looking for a world religion. That's what they're looking for. Listen, this country's in a mess. And I'm talking about the world as a fact. They're all looking how to solve this problem and solve that problem. They're looking how to get all the financial things in order. They're looking to see what kind of religion we need, what kind of leader we need. A lot of the leaders are quitting. A lot of them are getting out of it. Oh, there's wars and rumors of wars. And they got, listen, there's got to be some kind of war coming to kind of let it be. After World War, War, uh, World War I, 
Amen. After, uh, what is the war they shot when they lined up and pulled the uh, guns and pointed at each other? I always thought that's the strangest war in all my life. Confederate war, what was it? The war between the North and the South? Civil war. There it is. That's the term. I thought that's the craziest war in all my life. I mean, only got one bullet. You stand up in line. And they're going to fire on you. If they don't get you first, you get them. But if they get you in a minute, the second's going to move up. He's got you. You fall backwards. And you just pile up on one another. Amen. They had what they call the militia men back in them days too. You remember them? Said, which ones scare you? Them fellas that get in line? Them fellas that... St- the generals? No. Which one worries you? He said, the militia. They'll hide behind something you don't even know where they are and they'll shoot. Amen. I never have figured that. But after world, after that civil war, things began to change. And there was a change in society. Amen. A society change. World War I come along. There was a change in society again. World War II, society changed. The Korean War, the Vietnam War has changed. And they're looking for another war to change it again. And they're looking for a utopia. That, that fellow said he's a deacon in the First Baptist Church up here in Clarksville. And I said, what do you mean a utopia? He said, well, according to what we believe and what our church preaches and according to what the Bible says, this thing's going to get better and better and better until we get it all figured out, work out all our problems and get everything solved, and we're going to have a utopia on the earth. Now this is about uh, 1970, 1980, that this man told me that. He died not too long after that, and I believe he knows better now. Where he went to heaven or hell, I don't know that, but I'll guarantee you, he knows better. Now, we're not working. The church can't even bring in a better society. We tried. We got so many different people that believe in every different thing. The Bible don't, don't, does not teach that man is going to get himself to a high position spiritually to correct all the problems. If you've got Bible on it that I don't have, it must be a different version Bible, but I want you to show it to me. Amen. I'm going to look at the cover to see what it is. And I I won't look to see if it says Holy Bible on it. Feller told me one time if it says Holy Bible, it's got to be right. Now that's just how people are. But so the so the post millennials, that's what they believe. They believe they're going to usher it in. You'll be surprised that the church people believe that we're going to get this thing better. Elite, the elite in Washington believe they're going to pass enough laws, get enough regulations, and we're going to get enough rules and regulations that we're going to make a perfect society. And it ain't going to work. That don't show up in my Bible. And then we got another. A group of people comes along. When I first started preaching, I had a little problem with all these things. You see, I didn't know nothing about premillennial. I didn't know nothing about postmillennial. And I didn't know nothing about that other crowd that call themselves the amillennials. And I was in church. We had 17 different preachers in the church that I was uh, going to at that time. And every one of us thought, 
uh, the preacher ought to ask us to preach because we had the answers to the world. I thought I had answers to the world uh, back yonder in 1970 in those times. And uh, uh, down through the years, I thought I've had the answers. I have had, but nobody wants them. They don't want to hear it. They want to hear it then. They don't want to hear it today. Matter of fact, I have a harder time today from hearing me than I did back yonder. I would get one every once in a while to listen. And so I was in church and to hear be a little preacher jump up and, uh, in the congregation. He'd get a little preacher's hitch on him and he'd go to preach it. Have you ever been in them meetings where you have two or three preachers on the floor at one time? I guess Miss Burrow probably seen that, hadn't you, Miss Burrow? Amen. I mean, one over here, he's in one corner, he's a preaching. Back yonder in the back, somebody's a preaching. Somebody over here preaching. You said, what happens? Uh, you don't understand no, all three of them. You don't know what's going on. But I've been there. Every one of them thought they had the message of God. And God's not the author of confusion. I know that. But amen, back yonder, uh, you look at those things and everybody had a message. And, everyone, and one preacher be preaching on the second coming in the rapture. And another be preaching about a utopia. And another, he didn't even know what he preached. He's a preaching against the first two. And uh, you, you can get so confused. And we're living in that day to day. We've got churches in our county here that believe uh, one's a premillennial, one's a postmillennial, one's an amillennial. And I can name, I know those churches. Amen. Uh, unless they just started recently. I know them. And their little preachers running a clique. It'll always be premillennial preachers that preach it to premillennial church. It'll be postmillennials that will preach it to postmillennials. And it'll be all millennial preaching on the other places. You know what an all is? All millennialist is? He's one who says, What do you think about the coming of the well? Uh, uh, well, uh, 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 well. He's an all He can't give you an answer on anything. I had a fellow, he, he gave it like this week. He said to me, he said, God made a group of people. He made Adam and Eve. And then uh, he said, do you believe that's all the people that God made? I said, I sure do. He said, well, where in the world did Lot, get, I mean, where, where in the world did Cain get his wife? I said, he married his sister. I don't believe that. He went to the land of Nod. And, uh, and uh, you know, married a wife. I said, you can't give me no scripture on that. So look with me. I'll just show you. Would you look with me in verse 16 of chapter 4 of the book of Genesis? I wasn't incorporating this in the message. We're going to go back to curse in just a minute. The Bible said in chapter 4 of the book of Genesis, it said in verse 16, And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord. Now that's dangerous. I know a lot of people go out from the presence of the Lord. I've gone out from the presence of the Lord a time or two. It wasn't, wasn't good. I come back the rough trail. But I went out on my own. But I come back like the prodigal. Amen. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife. That does not say in there anything about this morning that he married a wife. 
Does it? You said it says in Cain knew his wife. Yeah. Well, look at chapter 4 and verse 1. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived. Now, we're a bunch of adults in here. But that means that they had relationships, a relationship with each other. Amen. And she conceived. That means that Cain took his wife to the land of Nod because he had a, he had a curse on him. In verse 11, and now art thou cursed from the earth. He had a curse on him and he was afraid that somebody would kill him. So God put a curse on him and he went to the land of Nod and he took his wife with him and they had a son. Now that's as plain as I'm going to say it. I can do it different and better than that, but I'm not going to from here. But I'm saying to you, we had a curse. And he looked at me, that fellow did, and he said, you don't believe God made somebody or somewhere else? I said, there's not but one scripture that will knock that in the head what you said. He said, what's that? Eve is the mother of all living. Now, if you're going to believe the Bible, you have to believe that. If you get something else that don't, you've got a different version Bible. So what I'm looking at this morning, we find in a curse. We find, first of all, there was a curse on the serpent. In verse number 14, and the Lord God, this is chapter 3, and the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. Now he goes on to say, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. He gives him the curse. He's going to put enmity between him and the woman, and between the woman's seed and uh, his seed, and then he's going to bruise uh, the head of the serpent with the heel of the seed. You got it? Those are curses. Now, the second curse is found in chapter 3 and verse 14, or 16. Under the woman, he said, I will greatly, number one, multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. Number two, in sorrow thou shalt bring forth children. And number three, you're going to have a desire, uh, you, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he'll rule over you. Three things he give to the woman. Then he goes to the man, and unto Adam he said, Because, number one, thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. He said, Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it, all the days of thy life. And third, there's going to be thorns and thistles that it's going to bring forth. And then he goes to the earth. And he tells Adam, and he gives us in, in verse 19 another one. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread. Somebody said, a man's going to earn the bread by the sweat of his brow. You're only partially reading the word. Don't change it. 
God said in the sweat of your face. There's a lot of difference when I'm sweating and my whole face and just wiping a little sweat off my brow. I do a few little trivial jobs sometimes and I just touch my brow. But when I'm working, son, I have to... Mm. I I have to wipe I have to have a good towel or something to wipe off the sweat. I sweat easy. And uh, God said that's part of the curse. I believe I've met some young folks that don't even know what that is. They call it perspiration, but modern terms is hillbilly terms is sweat. Amen. And I honestly believe there's some young folks that uh, you put them out cutting grass and they make a 10-foot swipe down through there and say, Whew, boy, they'll wipe sweat for two days. Won't get the grass cut. You understand what I'm saying? So the curse is there. Now I want to move a little further today. And I want to go a little bit further on down into the book of Deuteronomy. And I want to show you where we are today in our country, where we are in our churches, where we are in our own present lives. And God has told us we're cursed. I don't know why people want to run around cursed. Have you ever seen like it to people that use foul language? That's bad enough, but that's not even what God's talking about here. He does talk about it in one of the commandments. But I'm looking at some of these things and I see how that God talks about a nation that's cursed, people that's cursed, and people that's in a certain country is cursed. And America fits every bit of this. He first talked about it to the Israelites. We're going to the 27th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 27. And we'll start reading this morning at verse 11. And we'll close with all this, and I pray that God might help us today. We're talking about the word cursed or cursed. You ever seen that word blessed? Sometimes they call it blessed. But we call it cursed or cursed, whichever one you want to say. But in chapter 27 of the book of Deuteronomy, it says, And Moses charged the people the same day, saying, Deuteronomy 27, 11, these shall stand upon Mount Gerizim to bless the people. When you get in the land of Canaan, he's saying, when you get over there, I'm going to give you a blessed crew. And I'm going to give you a cursed crew. <laughs> Had you ever seen that before? He split the Israelites. Six tribes to do one and six tribes to do the other. These shall stand upon the Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you come over Jordan. And he names them. This is the tribe of Simeon and Levi and Judah and Issachar and Joseph and Benjamin. That's going to be the blessed crew. They're going to be the ones that you want to hang around. They're the ones that you want to stay on the good side of. And he said, And these shall stand upon Mount Ebal, to curse. Put a curse. Somebody said, you believe our land's cursed? I honestly believe we're under a curse. I read it to you out of the book of Genesis a while ago. 
But I want to tell you, we're following suit with our foreparents. And we're still in line for it. And so he said, Reuben, Gad, and Asher, and Zebulun, and Dan, and Naphtali. They're going to be the ones that curse you. Those are the ones you want to stay away from. Verse 14 said, and the Levites. Now you know who the Levites are, don't you? They're the, the priestly tribe. They're the ones that work between man and God. And the Levites shall speak and say unto all the men of Israel with a loud voice. They wasn't whispering. God want us to tell the truth. Cry loud, spare not, lift up your voice like a trumpet. You wonder why I get loud? This church taught me to be loud. Down through the years, I've had a lot of people in years old and they couldn't hear. And I screamed and they couldn't hear still. And I got some of you in years hard of hearing now. And I preached and some of you ain't too hard of hearing, but you can't hear. And I say, he that hath an ear, let him hear. So God gives me a loud voice. You would uh, get upset if I whispered. Amen. Uh, ain't you glad you don't have to have a microphone right here? What about them people like Spurgeon who preached to 10,000 people didn't have a microphone? But they had everything shaped and they heard them. All right. And it said in verse 15... Number one, cursed be the man that maketh any graven or molten image an abomination unto the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsman, and putteth it in a secret place, and all the people shall answer and say, say it with me, amen. amen. Now, he said, first thing I want to say is, if you make any graven image or a molten image, like Aaron did. He said you're going to be cursed. Do you believe in America we've got any graven images in our congregations in the church? We're living in a real idolatrous nation. If you're giving any attention to things that you have and do. And they get precedence over the things of God. It's a God. And it's a graven image to you. Don't have to be something you build to worship before. Uh, most folks say, well, that's, uh, what's that little feller say? Uh, little fat belly feller? Uh, Buddha? You don't have to have a Buddha? Amen. It don't have to be something like anything. It can be something that you spend your time with in your mind. Anything. An automobile, a house, a job, a, a talent. A, I think everything you've got, you ought to use it all for the glory of God and not put it first. As some kind of hobby. Any of that. All that's, uh, you said, but I need that. That's good. But don't put it before God. Verse number 16 gives us another thing. Cursed. Or cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Now, what's that mean? Preacher, what in the world does that mean? It means to take lightly and think lightly and act lightly about your parents. Hmm? You see that? We got 
kids that's coming through and they think lightly of their parents. They don't respect them. I respected my mother and my daddy. I didn't always agree with my daddy. Has anybody in here ever had a daddy that you respected and believed in everything he done? A few times you thought he was off, offline. You thought he was off guard. You thought he was in a different place. He wasn't exactly right on everything. I used to think that. And now I look at it and I say, well, he, he done the best he could. Amen. And then I put myself to place I've done come up and walked in his shoes and found out why he made some of the decisions he made. I didn't see them then. What he's saying is, Cursed be he that setteth light by his father or his mother. And he, they, what he's saying, he, he teaches the kids that they ought to love their mother and their father. Honor thy father and thy mother that the days may be long upon the earth. Now you don't know whether you fit that bill or not. You might wonder, but God knows. Verse 17 said, Cursed be he that removeth his neighbor's landmark. And all the people shall say, Amen. Amen. In other words, changing the property line. It can all be that, steal anything or move anything that belongs to your neighbor. Or belongs to you. I mean, belongs to the neighbors. Excuse me, I'm right. I mean... I had a fellow one time. Uh, he put, he moved his building in over there. Some of you know him, but he moved his building over where I live now. And he put a foot of his building on my property. He put his hedgerows and his shrubs right down on my side of the property line. And you said, would you have any problem with I didn't like it because he was on my side of the property. And I said something to him. And I, he said, well, right here's the line. And he showed me a stake as drove up over there. And I said, well, that stake ain't always been there. That stake for that post is right back over yonder, down in that little hole, down in the ground in there. He said, no, that stake's right there. I dug it out. And I said, well, I said, your building's on my property and your shrubs are on my property. And he said, I'm going to move the shrubs, but I ain't moving the building. And he said, that line will stay where it's at. So I didn't try to, I try to be Christian about things. What do you do when somebody steals about 10 foot of your property? Or five foot. I figure if he's done it once, I'll go to sleep one night and he'll get drunk and move it again. And if he keeps getting six inches here and six inches there, I'm going to wonder what happened sure enough in a few years. So I had the surveyors come out and I said, well, let's just get the surveyors to do it. I need it surveyed anyhow because it's going to break up the property. And the surveyors come out here, come out there and done it. And I, I was working on a public job and they called me. Said, uh, Dennis, you need to come out here and look at this property. And I, so I went over there and looked at it. And he said, according to Platt and everything, he said, 
the property line is supposed to be right over here. According to, it says it's right here. And so we're getting the indication. You know how they got the electronic stuff now. He said, it's giving us an indication it's right here. And he said, we're going to dig down in there. But that's, he says that's his property. I said, it's not his property. That's where I said the stake was to start with. And I didn't tell them that. They dug down about 18 inches and there was a peg, a steel peg. He'd filled it all up. And he's there. And he said, this is a stake. This is a stake. This is what it says it is right here. I said, you'll probably go right straight back over there. And I said, and he's standing there. He said, I didn't move it. And what I'm saying is he did that. And I'm not just trying to work on that little thing. I'm telling you, you get somebody moving. But God said, if you do that, it's a curse to you. Don't belong to you. You're stealing it. Well, it's an amazing thing that a few years went by. And next thing you know, he lost everything he had. And they repossessed it. The bank come and got it and got him out of there. And I just said to myself, God said you move the property line and God said you're cursed. Now play with those things if you want to. It's on down. I'm going to give you some more. I'm going to give you some quick ones and then we'll go home. He said in verse numbers. Uh, 18, Cursed be he that maketh the blind to wander out of the way, and all the people shall say, Amen. Now what that means is, somebody can't see, don't know, it don't necessarily mean they're blind by their eyes, but it could be. But they don't know, and what you do, you lead them on down the road to the blind, lead the blind, and you do it for deception. You're cursed. You don't take advantage of somebody because they don't know. Look at verse 19. Cursed be he that perverteth the judgment of a stranger, fatherless and widow, and all the people shall say amen. You ever seen these little deals? Fella comes to a woman's house. She's lost her husband. She don't know hardly what to do. And he said, you know, you got an old tractor sitting out there in the back. I'll give you $100 for it to get it out of your way. She says, I think it's probably worth more than $100. He said, oh, no, I done went out there and looked at it. It needs this and it needs that. And this is about to fall off of it. That's about to break. It's going to take me a lot of money to put on it. And the little old lady gives in and said, I'll sell it to you for 100 He comes out there, pulls it out and said, I sure got a good deal on that. Takes advantage of a widow. God said you're cursed. Are we living in a country like that? Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife because he uncovereth his father's skirt and all the people shall say, have you ever seen a time when all that kind of stuff's going on? The rest of the way down through there, it's sexual sins. Verse 21 says, Cursed be he that lieth with any manner of beast and all the people shall say amen. And brother, I know a lot of you don't know about all this stuff and don't try to look into it, but we got what we got in this country called bestiality. Well, women and men are lying with animals. Bothers me sometimes I see these women walking up the street with a big old 
not a poodle, but a hound dog of some kind, makes you wonder mind what's on their mind. Men doing the same thing. Laying with animals. You said women and men wouldn't do that. They do it all the time. How long has it been since you've been in a church that preached that? Amen. The Bible said in verse number 22, Cursed be he that lieth with his sister, the daughter of his father, or the daughter of his mother, and all the people shall say amen. That's called incest, and it goes on all over the place. Listen to me. Wake up. Our nation's under a curse because of these sins. Cursed be he that lieth with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say amen. That's going on. Cursed be he that smiteth his neighbor secretly, and all the people shall say amen. Cursed be he that taketh reward to slay an innocent person, and all the people shall say amen. Cursed be he that confirmeth not all the words of this law to do them, and all the people shall say amen. And I ain't got time to say anything about those things, but take it home and read it. Our nation's under a curse. Preachers won't preach it. They're scared to death to preach it. They're afraid they'll uh, get rid of the congregation. Amen. But the Word of God is the Word of God. And preachers need to preach it. Amen. Will you believe today that we're under a curse? You believe all this going? You, you talk about all these needless. Let me just give you this. You remember what happened to Noah? Noah got drunk, laid in his tent. And he went right along. Did you know uncovering yourself, taking off your clothes, going naked, goes right along with drugs and alcohol? Drunk people don't care whether they got clothes on or not. Drug people don't care whether they got clothes on or not. That's a way of life to them. Noah got drunk, and here come his son. And the Bible talks about, you know, the other two came in and covered him. When Noah drunk, got wake out of his wine or his, his whatever it was he drunk, he noticed what had been done unto him. I don't know what was done to him, but I got my ideas. He got a curse. A curse come on his grandson, Canaan. You with me? Our land is filled with that kind of junk. Somebody said, Preacher, I'm glad we ain't got a big crowd here. Well, I'm just warming up. I'll preach it when they're here. One thing about these little congregations I got right now gives me an opportunity to do it again. Amen. I got plenty to preach, and I'm behind. I don't mind telling you. I believe God wants us to preach these things. But we're living in a time when this stuff needs to be told. And they need to wake up. I would like to see God bring America back to her knees. Did you know when the two, the two world tires fell, I noticed people started going to church more than they did before. I do. I remember when they come to church and said, Preacher, we need, we need God. We need God. And they cried out, but you know what? In this business of this pandemic we've had, 
It's turned people from God, not to God. Our churches are to be filled today and crying out to God and said, God, we defy this pandemic. We defy COVID. We defy that. And God, I pray, we plead the blood over every born again child of God in America. We're pleading your grace and hand on every one of them. And mean business. Don't you think I'd get more done? Amen. Heads bowed. Praise God.